0: All right, well hey church family, how many people have gone to the uh, New Engles in Powdersville? All right, now how many people, that was, that was a good number by the way, <clears throat> just be proud of you pastor, I took my wife there for dinner on Friday night, <laughs> <laughs> date night, that's right, chopsticks, at Powdersville Ingalls. And I saw some of you there, too. It's pretty good. Now, here's the other question. Uh, one more time. How many have been to Eagles, to the New Ingalls? Raise your hand. That's more than half, I think. Now, here's, how many have told somebody about the New Ingalls? Raise your hand. Yeah, a lot of you. How many, don't answer this. How many of you you have told anyone about your church lately? Oh, good. I said don't answer, but you did anyway. That's good. (laughs) Oh, you bless me. I appreciate that. How many of you have told anybody about Jesus lately? Not as many, but some. Not as many, but some. It's real easy to talk about things that interest us. It's really easy to talk about things we get excited about. It's really easy to talk about something that's new. It's real easy to talk about something that's good. And I appreciate you talking about your church, and I hope you'll keep doing that. I hope you'll keep inviting people to church. But I also want you to be sure to talk about Jesus. Let me just remind you that we have on our back wall back there, it says 365. And our goal is that this year we'll have 365 gospel conversations um, as a church family in, in a year. We ought to be able to do that. I I, I looked at it t- today but I'll be honest with you, I don't remember what the number was. But uh, we're doing well but but we need to stay after it. So if you have a gospel conversation this week, do you know what you need to do to let us know about it? Text Chris, Chris Metters. Text Chris Metters and say, Well what's his phone number? He'll give it to you if you see him after church. Uh, text Chris Metters and just text 365. That's all we're asking you to do. And some of you have had conversations and you, you just haven't told us, and we'd, we'd like to keep track of that. So text Chris Matters 365, and make his phone start buzzing this week. All right? Okay, so last week we talked about what? Do you remember? You got your notes? Can you recall what we discussed? Listen and learn. Yeah, we talked about listening and learning. Proverbs 18, 13 says, and I love this verse, it says, He who answers before listening, that is his folly and his shame. And we talked about, you know, trying to talk to somebody, and they answer before listening. They say, I know, I know, I know, I know. And you're trying to talk to that teenager, and he keeps saying, I know, I know, I know. And you know he doesn't know. But he thinks he knows more than you know. Or you're trying to talk to your husband or you're trying to talk to your wife. You're trying to communicate something important. You're trying to communicate something that will guard their life. And they're like, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. So We talked last week about listening, the wisdom of listening and learning. Tonight, here's what we're going to talk about in this final study And Wednesday night will be the final Andy Stanley study. We're bringing it to a close here this week. But here's what we're going to talk about tonight Watch your mouth. Ever said that to somebody? You probably said it to maybe your teenage son. Watch your mouth, young man. Or maybe your teenage daughter. Watch your mouth, young lady. Now, before you decide that this study is not very applicable, isn't it true that some of your deepest regret is, co- is connected to something you said to someone? If you're honest, I, I bet a lot of you say, yeah. Deepest regret is, is connected to something I said. I, you, you were tired and you snapped at your little daughter and crushed her spirit. Or you were angry and you said something to your wife or your husband that was very hurtful and vindictive. And you're still saying, I'm sorry, honey, I really am sorry. I really, I really didn't, you're still trying to, all this time later, you're still trying to get past that. Or you were frustrated and you took it out on someone at church and it wasn't even their fault. But they were handy. And so you just took it out on them. Or you were jealous and you said something spiteful to your best friend and the relationship was never the same after that. Or you were young and stupid and you said something hateful to your dad and that was the last time you ever talked to him. See, we think of wisdom many times in terms of making the right decisions or avoiding certain places, as it says in Proverbs 7, don't go near the door of her house. We, we think of wisdom in terms of making wise decisions, going to the right places, avoiding the wrong places, doing the right things, avoiding the wrong things, and wisdom is all of that, no doubt about it. Wisdom is tied into all of that. But I also want to say this. Some of our deepest regret is not tied to what we did. Some of our deepest regret is not tied to where we went. Some of our deepest regret is a result of something that came out of our mouth. I remember years ago when I first came here, uh, I I think it was probably my first year, and I did this little thing with, with kids, and I took a tube of toothpaste and I squeezed it all out onto the paper plate, Every, as much as I could. And then I got them all around, I got them all excited, and said, okay, now on the count of three, here's what I want you to do. I want you to put that toothpaste back in the tube. And your eyes were real big, it's like, whoa. And the point, of course, is some things you can't put back. Some things you can't undo. Sometimes things come out of your mouth, and it never, ever, It's the same after that. You see, the ability to control your tongue is one of the clearest signs of wisdom in the Bible. You'd be surprised if you start doing a study, you'd be surprised how much this book says about controlling your tongue. You'd be surprised, Old Testament, New Testament, you'd be surprised how often God speaks about Watching your mouth. Now it may not surprise you to find out that the wisest man who ever lived other than Jesus, King Solomon, the wisest man who ever lived, had a lot to say about being careful about what comes out of your mouth. And I want to start in Proverbs 12:18, Proverbs 12:18. Now, before we get into this, before we start reading it, would you just join me as we pray? I I just want to pause here. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Do Do you know someone that's lost that we could pray for? We're trying to think like a missionary and live like a missionary, and you know, missionaries pray for lost people. Do Do you know any lost people? Do Do you know somebody that? Maybe it's a neighbor, maybe somebody in your family, maybe it's somebody you work with, maybe it's somebody re- you're related to. But but is there somebody in your circles of of influence there that you know and they don't know the Lord? If if so, and tonight you're join you're going to corporately join us in prayer. I'm not saying you want to pray out loud, but but if you say, "Hey, Pastor, I'm praying for somebody who's lost tonight," with everybody's head bowed, just raise your hand. All right, so many of you, so many of you. Some of you may say, "You know, Pastor, I." I don't know any lost people. A circle of friends is just church people, and I don't know any lost people. So would you make it your prayer that that would change? Would you make it your prayer that you would find some lost people, that you would meet somebody who's lost? Just just seriously, make that a prayer concern. Right now, I'm just going to ask you to pray for those people by name that you know who need the Lord. Or if you don't know of any lost people, that God would bring somebody across your path. Father, in the name of Jesus, we pause tonight because there are people that we know who may not know you. We understand that there is one mediator between God and man, the the man Christ Jesus. And we want them to know him too. So we pray together that you'd orchestrate the events and the circumstances. To bring them to an awareness of their lostness. To bring in their life a desire for more than what they've got right now. I pray they would not be satisfied with the things of this world. And I pray that they'll begin to think about the things of eternity. And I pray, Lord, as we think about that that individual or those people by name... I pray you'd open up opportunities for us to share. Open the door, open their heart and open our mouth. May we just gently, graciously willingly tell them good news about Jesus. What he offers. And we pray God that if we for, the, for those perhaps here in the church tonight, and, and they say, you know, I, I don't know any lost people. Lord, would you, would you help us to widen that circle? Would you bring people, friends, acquaintances into our lives, maybe even this week, somebody who doesn't know you, and give us a burden for them? Our God, thank you for our church family. Thank you so much for these precious people. And now would you take your word, would you open it and allow the Holy Spirit to be our teacher? Would you say something to us that is beyond the voice of Keith? Would you speak in a way that we know it's you? May we respond to what you say. In Jesus' name I pray. And all God's people said, Amen. All right, Proverbs 12, 18. This is going to be our focal verse tonight. We'll be looking at other scripture as well, but this is our foundation verse, focal verse. Here's what it says, Proverbs 12, 18. Reckless words pierce like a sword, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Reckless words. Now, how would you describe, just in your own estimation as you're reading this and and you see that, And maybe you've got a different translation, has a different uh, phrase there. But how would you describe this idea of reckless words? Things said in anger. That's good. What else? Speaking without thinking. That's good. Speaking without thinking. Reckless words. Does anybody have a different translation? What does it say besides reckless words? Rash words? Rash words? Okay. The Hebrew word here is the, is the word bata. And it means to speak thoughtlessly. That's literally the, the idea. To, think, uh, to speak thoughtlessly. In other words, if you've ever done this, you don't have to raise your hand. But it mean, basically it means just to let it fly. You know, you just kind of let it fly. You speak rashly, you speak uh, carelessly, you speak recklessly. Uh, you're thinking without thought. And I think that's what you said, wasn't it? That's what you said? You're, you're thinking without, or you're speaking without thinking. And we've all done that. And more than likely, we've all been on the receiving end of that as well, haven't we? Now, look at the text, Proverbs twelve eighteen. What do reckless words do? Pierce. Reckless words pierce. The idea here is that reckless words cut. Reckless words hurt. If you let some wrong word spill out, you can do some terrible damage. The the things that you say can cause someone to quit trying, reckless words pierce like a sword, the the things you say can cause someone to quit trying, the things you say can wound someone for life the things you say can turn a friend into an enemy, the things you say can end a marriage the things you say can reverberate in somebody's head for decades you'll never be any good, you're worthless you'll never accomplish anything the things you say, reckless words can pierce like a sword. And the pain can last a lifetime. Now, I don't know if you've said this. I've heard people say this. Somebody, sometimes people will say something like this Well, I'm just not one of those people who's going to let somebody run all over me. I'll tell you what I, I'm going to tell you what I think. And if you don't like it, it's tough. Can I tell you the problem with that statement? It's not biblical. Can I tell you the problem with that statement? It's fleshly. Can I tell you the problem with that statement? It's full of pride. You see, there is a connection between what comes out of your mouth and your relationship to Jesus. Or at least there should be. There should be a connection between what comes out of your mouth... And your relationship to Jesus. Because he didn't just buy everything except your mouth. He purchased all of you. So there there should be this connection. You don't have the permission to say, Well, I'm going to say what I want to say if you don't like it as stuff. And I'm not going to let anybody run over me. And I'm going to speak what I think. And I'm going to tell you something. You're not living like Jesus when you say that. Now you can get mad at me, that's okay. I'm gonna still love you. But but before you get mad at me, would you go with me in scripture to James chapter one? James chapter one. James chapter 1, verse 26, here's what it says. If anyone considers himself religious and yet does not keep a tight rein on his tongue, he deceives himself and his religion is what? Worthless. Worthless. James says there's a clear connection. There's a clear connection between your faith and what comes out of your mouth. And if you have the audacity to pretend like there's not, your faith is worthless and you're deceiving yourself. Listen to me and hear me well. God holds you accountable for what comes out of your mouth. Now you're probably sitting there thinking, who's he aiming at tonight? Nobody. But maybe the Holy Spirit is aiming at you. Now, in the sec- going back to Proverbs 12, 18, I told you that was going to be our foundational verse. The second half of the verse is more positive. Let's, see, let's turn it over and look at the positive side. He said, Reckless words pierce like a sword, but the tongue of the what? Church, the tongue of the what? Tongue of the wise. You see, there is a connection between wisdom and what comes out of your mouth. So the tongue of the wise brings healing. The second half of this verse shows the positive potential of what we say. The things we say can literally bring emotional life to someone. You've experienced this. I've experienced this. When you needed it most, somebody came and and spoke to you a word of encouragement. And man, it was like healing to your bones. You've experienced that, haven't you? It was somebody who had wisdom, somebody who had discernment, somebody who understood what you were going through, and they came not to chew you out. They came to pick you up. Look at Proverbs 25.11. This is a great verse. You've heard this. You've, you may even have this on a little plaque or something in your home. Proverbs 25.11 says this, A word aptly or fitly spoken is like apples of gold and settings of silver. Now, here's the reason that's an interesting verse. It doesn't just say a word spoken, but it says a word aptly spoken or fittingly spoken. And, and when you study it, it, has the idea that it, not only is it the right word, but it's at the right time. Somebody said the right thing at the right time. It, it was just when you needed it most. It was aptly spoken. It was fittingly spoken. It, w- it was a timely word for you. It was a timely word of encouragement. It was a timely positive encounter. And, and the Bible says that the right words at the right time are valuable, like gold and silver when you need it. I just wonder if somebody might have an illustration of that. Uh, you know, not taking too long, but but do you have an illustration of Of somebody spoke words of encouragement to you at just the right time? Anybody got one of those? All right, so I guess we need to get busy, don't we? Chris, you start. Uh, Yeah, yeah. That, yeah, yeah. Uh, Share that, and then, Chris, I'm going to come to you. Go ahead. Turn around, yeah. good word at the right time that's makes a difference chris <laughs> yeah yeah all right well if i miss some of it you can fill in the blanks uh we we were in nashville this week and, and i told you that we were going and we We went to uh, visit Eastland Baptist Church. It's the church that Jason Rumbo is the pastor of now. Uh, Jason has been here on a Sunday night telling us about moving to Nashville and replanting a church. And we're looking at the possibility of partnering with them in that replant. And we'll tell you more about that, uh, I think, in September. uh, We're going to be talking about that. But uh, great trip. But, man, did we have a a divine appointment. Jason was just taking us around the neighborhoods and uh, showing us, uh East Nashville and he took us to a school there and he said, I want you to meet Doctor Jones. Doctor Jones uh was a guidance counselor there at the school. And uh he called her. He said, Doctor Jones, this is Jason Rumble. We're out in the parking lot. Would it be okay? I got a couple of pastors here. Would it be okay if we come in just to say hello, I want to introduce them to you. She said, Yeah, come on in. And when we came in, when we went inside, her her eyes just teared up I mean instantly. And she said, you don't know how much I needed you to come by today. Just don't understand how I need some encouragement right now. There was there was a, a sign on on the in the lobby area that I, I, I recently. Let me turn this thing off. It's beeping. There was a sign on the lobby that I recently found out, Chris. Uh, yesterday, I, I was reading that seven or eight different states have passed a law that, that it's permissible to post In God We Trust on school property. So Tennessee apparently is one of those, one of those uh, states. And so when you go into the lobby, there's this sign, In God We Trust, posted there. Well, when she saw it, Dr. Jones is, is uh, expressive in her faith. And when she saw it, well, praise God, glory, hallelujah. And Well, the principal didn't like that. Principal was very, I think, offended by that. There was tension in the office. And, and we came and just spoke words of encouragement, prayed with her, and, and tried to speak words of encouragement. Good illustration of what this text is saying. That the words that we use have the ability to give life to somebody. Because when we left, she had a smile on her face. When we left, she had a different perspective. When we left, she was ready to face what she had to face that day. Now what changed? It's the words that were life to her. Okay, now I'm about to get I'm about to get um, personal. What if just, just humor me? What if God hears what we say and responds to it? What if God's listening when you spout off, tell people what you really think? Hmm. I mean, maybe I I could do it this way. What if for the entire today, tomorrow, you pretend that every word you speak is captured on hidden camera and we're going to put it on the big screen next Sunday? Yeah, would you be probably a little more careful in what you said and how you said it? Would you be a little bit more careful in expressing yourself because that's your right to express your... I think you would. I think I would too. But here's the question again. What if God hears what we say and responds to it? What if God hears what we say and holds us accountable? We're going to come back to proverbs, but right now we're going to run quickly to numbers. Go to the left. Numbers chapter 12. Numbers chapter 12. In Numbers chapter 12, it's a story of three different people and they all have something in mind or in common, rather. I want to tell you who the people are, and then I want you to tell me what they have in common. The people in this story, in Numbers chapter 12, are Miriam, Aaron, and Moses. Miriam, Aaron, and Moses. They all three have something in common. Do you know what it is? I think I heard the right answer. They're brothers and sisters. They have the same mom and dad. They're brother and sister. Now, Not only are they brother and sister, but if you, we don't have the time to study all of this, but if you start looking at it, they're also partners in ministry. Aaron goes with Moses to see Pharaoh. Aaron is the spokesman. Miriam is a prophetess. She writes a praise song about what God has done to deliver them. These are godly people. These are people who serve the Lord. And watch this this is a brother and a brother and a sister who not only serve the Lord, but they are serving the Lord together. Pretty good thing, right? Now, let's see what happens in Numbers uh, chapter 12. Miriam and Aaron began to talk against Moses because of his Cushite wife, for he he had married a Cushite. So Miriam and Aaron, they don't like what Moses has done. So everybody look up here. I'll show you what they're doing. They're just going on. They're just talking about it. They're just talking about he he should know better than that. He could have done better than that. I don't like her. I never have liked her. And they just keep going on and on and on and on. And then it gets a little more personal starts out, he never should have married that woman. Then it becomes a little more negative and a little more personal. Verse 2, has the Lord spoken only through Moses, they ask? Hasn't he also spoken through us? Oh, wait a minute. He's walking around here high and mighty like he is somebody. But the Lord's spoken through us too. Aaron, I I mean, good night. You're the spokesman for the whole thing, right? God's spoken through you. Why is Moses the the one who gets all the credit? And it's just going back and forth. There's jealousy there. There's anger there. There's resentment there. And they're, watch this, they're talking about it. They're letting it fly out of their mouth. There's no filter there. You know, we can relate to it that way. There's no filter. They're just letting it fly, and they're criticizing their brother. Now, did you see the last part of verse 2? And the Lord heard this. <laughs> Hello. You mean you're listening? And the Lord heard this. What if God hears what we say and responds to it? Keep reading the story. Now Moses was, Moses was a very humble man, more humble than anyone else on the face of the earth. At once, the Lord said to Moses, Aaron and Miriam, I'm sorry, at once the Lord said to Moses, Aaron and Miriam, come out to the tent of meeting, all three of you. So the three of them came out and then the Lord came down in a pillar of cloud and he stood at the entrance of the tent and summoned Aaron and Miriam. When both of them stepped forward, he said, listen to my words. I like that. I've been listening to your words. Now listen to my words. When a prophet of the Lord is among you, I reveal myself to him in visions. I speak to him in dreams. But this is not true of my servant Moses. He is faithful in all my, in all my house. With him I speak face to face, clearly and not in riddles. He sees the form of the Lord. Why then were you not afraid, watch this, to speak against my servant Moses, why was it that you were not afraid then to speak against Moses? Why was it that you felt the liberty just to let it fly? Why was it you felt the liberty to, just to say what you wanted to say? Why was it you felt like you had the freedom just to speak your mind against Moses? Verse 9. The anger of the Lord burned against them, and he left them. scary verse. When the cloud lifted from the tent, there stood Miriam, leprous, like snow, Aaron turned toward her and saw that she had leprosy. And he said to Moses, Please, my Lord, do do not hold against us the sin we have so foolishly committed. Do not let her be like a stillborn infant coming from its mother's womb with its flesh half eaten away. So Moses cried out to the Lord, Oh God, please heal her. The Lord replied to Moses, If her father had spit in her face, would she not have been in disgrace for seven days? Confine her outside the camp for seven days, and after that she can be brought back. So Miriam was confined outside the camp for 7 days and the people did not move on until she was brought back. And after that the people left Hezaroth and encamped in the desert of Paran. Question. Why was just Miriam? Why was just Miriam judged? Why was just Miriam the one who was punished? Do what? But he's, he's finally right. <laughs> she started it. She was the instigator, apparently. Look at it. Look at it. Look at it. It says Miriam and Aaron began, talking, began to talk against Moses. But, but it, it seems to imply, guess who, who lit the fire? Miriam. What if? What if God actually hears what we say and responds to it. I think that's why in the book of Proverbs we have so much written about being careful about what we say and how we say it. Uh, Let's go back to Proverbs now. That's just an illustration. I want to show you what the Proverbs say. We'll start looking at many different Proverbs. Proverbs 13.3. This is probably my favorite verse regarding our speech, or at least the first half of it. You'll see what I'm talking about. Proverbs 13, 3 says this. He who guards his lips guards his life. I love that. He who guards his lips guards his life. I mean, we we could just summarize the whole thing tonight with that one statement. He who guards his lips guards his life. What did you learn about tonight in church? He who guards his lip guards his life. Let that sink in and it will change the way you speak tomorrow. He who guards his lips guards his life. But he who speaks rashly, he who lets it fly, will come to ruin. Now, Proverbs 10. We're just going to go back and forth here. Proverbs 10, verse 19. When words are many, sin is not absent. But he who holds his tongue is what? Wise. You might want to underline that one. He who holds his tongue is wise. Can I say to you, just because you think it doesn't mean you have to say it? He who holds his tongue. Well, I'll tell you what, if I'm thinking it, I might as well go ahead and say it. I'm going to sin by thinking it. Well, I don't know, but here, here, right here it says, he who holds his tongue is wise. Sometimes it's best not to say anything. You, your mama told you that years ago. If you don't have any, anything good to say, that's right. She got that out of Scripture, by the way. Proverbs eleven twelve: A man who likes judgment derides his neighbor speaks against his neighbor, says what he wants to say. A man who likes judgment derides his neighbor. But a man of understanding does what? Holds his tongue. Holds his tongue. man of understanding. A man of wisdom. See, we decide what kind of person we're going to be. We decide what kind of man we're going to be or what kind of woman we're going to be. We decide what's coming out of our mouth. Proverbs 18, 21. Go there. Proverbs 18, 21. Proverbs eighteen twenty one says this, The tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. The tongue has power. By the way, if you're taking notes, you just write down James 3. Thank you. James 3. The first half of chapter 3 in the book of James talks about the power of the tongue. Great, time, great thing for you to study. We don't have the time to look at it tonight, but James 3 would be another great uh, cross-reference there for you. Uh, go to proverbs twenty two verse eleven proverbs twenty two verse eleven He who loves a pure heart and whose speech is gracious will have the king for his friend. He who has a pure who loves a pure heart and whose speech is gracious. Sometimes I pray in my in my quiet time. Sometimes I pray, Lord, season my words with grace. I say something to you, just kind of one of those rules in my life. I don't always follow it. I don't always remember it, but it's just one of one of Keith's life life's rules is this you never lose by being gracious. Just never lose by being gracious. And the scripture says that as well. Now, here's what I'm going to do. I've got a few more minutes and uh, I'm going to give you a couple of prayers. Because this is more than just a, hey, we did a Bible study and I took some notes. I'm going to give you some prayers to pray. Because I think all of us have the potential to use our tongue for that which is not good. We all have the potential to let it fly. In fact, I've actually thought this. I've actually thought... I'm dreading tomorrow because I know I'm going to have a, you know, devil's going to be knocking on my door, giving me a chance to let it fly. I've really thought that. It's like, boy, I'm going to be tested tomorrow. All right, big boy, you get up and talk about it. Now what you going to do? So here's a, here's a prayer. for. I'm going to give you two of them, two things you can begin to pray. Uh, one is in Psalm 141. They're, they're both similar, but Psalm 141, verse 3. Psalm 141, verse 3. Set a guard over my mouth, O Lord. Keep watch over the door of my lips. That's a good verse for you to pray. Set a guard over my mouth, O Lord. Because you know I can't control it very well. Set a guard over my mouth, O Lord, because you know my tendency to lose my anger. Set a guard over my mouth, O Lord, because you know my critical nature. Set a guard over my mouth, O Lord, because you know how easy it is for me to let it fly. So just make that a prayer tomorrow. Set a guard over my mouth, O Lord, and keep a watch over the door of my lips. God, I need your help with this. That's what the psalmist is saying. God, I need your help with this. Now, go to Proverbs 21, 23. Proverbs 21, 23. Proverbs 21, 23 shows us why we need to guard our mouth. It says, he who guards his mouth and his tongue keeps himself from calamity. You're going to avoid a lot of pain. You're going to avoid a lot of regret. You're going to avoid a lot of stuff. You guard your mouth. It'll keep you from calamity in your marriage. It'll keep you from calamity in your family. It'll keep you from calamity where you work. It, it, it set a guard, Lord. Keep me from, from calamity. And then the last one that I'll give you is in, back in Psalms again. Psalm 19, another prayer. Psalm 19, verse 14. This is one of those verses that I have memorized, and you perhaps have heard me quote, and I uh, encourage you to memorize it as well and make it your prayer. Psalm nineteen fourteen says this, May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my rock my redeemer wouldn't that be a sweet prayer a wonderful prayer for you to pray this week Lord may the actual words of my mouth be pleasing in your sight I don't want God to look down from heaven and be embarrassed by me you know I I don't want God to look down from heaven and and just like I don't know what I'm going to do with him I'd much rather say, Lord, may the words of my mouth be pleasing in your sight. I don't want to embarrass you, Lord. I don't want to hurt the family. I don't want to hurt the kingdom. So may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. And all God's people said, amen. Can I remind you that next Sunday night... We're having the Southern Gospel Praise. And if you, if you were here this morning, you got a good taste of it. You heard, just did an excellent job. Uh, on What was the name of that song? Yeah, yeah. Um, excellent job. So that's going to be next Sunday night. The, the choir's going to be putting on this concert. And, and the doors open at what time? 5.30? 5.30 next Sunday night. Come early, bring some people with you and sit back and just kick your shoes off if you want to, and so you can tap your foot and enjoy it, okay? Let's pray. Let's pray. For the entire day tomorrow, how about living like God is listening to what you say? And make this your early prayer. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. God, we do really want to please you. Not just in avoiding something or doing the right thing. We really want to please you with what comes out of our mouth. May you be honored. May we live differently.